GP Insights, a health cert podcast. Practical advice for busy GPs on how to treat with confidence and grow their practice. Welcome, everybody. It's Paul Elmsley, the founder and CEO of Health Cert Education and also the National Skin Cancer Centre's and I want to welcome once again today, uh, Matt Willard. Matt, welcome. Thank you, Paul. Um, and we're basically having a chat around the recent Commonwealth Bank GP Insights, which identified three core challenges uh, related to businesses. And uh, just by way of background, Matt and I have been working together for over 20 years. We've owned and operated over 40 general practices, skin cancer practices over those years, and still uh, run, own, and operate another 21 as we speak. So um, the challenge related to attracting and retaining top talent is something that we're very aware of. And what we wanted to do today, I think, was just share some of our experiences with relation to how we go about it. Um, as I said before, there's, there's, you know, there's not always right or wrong in this. I think it's just really around experience sharing. Um, and you know, we've employed hundreds of people over the years, as well as hundreds of doctors uh, who have come and joined our team and, and really want to talk about that. We're going to be focusing probably a little bit more on staff in some respects, but to be honest with you, what we're talking about when we're talking about top talent is actually is also reflective for our doctors. I think the key thing is we know our doctors are subcontractors uh, typically um, who come in and, and work within the clinic, so they're sort of running their business inside our business, whereas obviously staff are employees, which we can you know direct and, and obviously you know control. Um, I'm not saying control, but obviously have more influence as to how that works. But the, the things that we're going to talk about as far as uh, retaining and uh, attracting top talent, to be honest, you equally fits towards a doctor as it does to a staff member. But um, we will use the filter of staff uh, to a little bit around this. So um, I think the first thing is really is around recruitment. So um, we'll just have a quick chat about how we go about recruitment. Firstly, is that we know it's a very competitive job market to find really good talent. Um, the importance of being able to put up a good ad that you know obviously inspires people, that you know informs them of the practice, you know once, once again what it believes in, um, so that when someone reads it, it's not just two lines saying you know we're looking for a part-time nurse, but it's something which obviously somebody would read. And would go, wow, that's a practice I would like to apply for a job for. Matt, is there anything you know you've come across that particularly works when it comes to recruiting people? Not a not a huge amount that's changed that we haven't been doing for many years. Obviously, when it comes to recruiting nurses and receptionists, you know, a seek advertisement is really the the only best methodology we've got. We do always use our own staff as recruitment. I suppose, ambassadors, where we we actually pay our staff a, an incentive or a bonus if they can recommend somebody who then fills a role, because we can obviously save a, a level of amount of, of, of recruitment costs there. And also having a, a, a referral from a staff member or a colleague indicates that this is somebody we might want to work with. We've got a personal referral, not just a, I suppose, an employment referral. And the other area we do look at is with more senior staff, practice managers and our area managers and some of our head office staff, we are now more effectively using things like LinkedIn and those kinds of platforms to network and find potential candidates that would be ideal suited for working in, in our clinics. 
Yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree with that. And I think that, you know, I suppose like anything, you know, just making sure that, you know, and if you want to know whether your ad's any good, go and give it to to family or friends and saying, if you read this, would you apply for a job with us? You know, we're lucky that we've got a HR manager in our business because we've got, you know, 300 people that work with us. But, you know, if you're in a situation where you're a solo practice, you're writing the ad yourself or your practice manager is writing your ad, I mean, one thing is to look at best practice, you know, go online and, and Google what best practice is for an ad. Or once again, have a look at what other people are doing and find something that's attractive. But I ideally would sit there and, and create something and then share it with people that I know and trust that will give me honest opinions related to it. Hmm. Um, one of the other things is that, um, you know, that it is increasingly important, as we know, is this, you know, desire for flexibility. Unfortunately, it's a bit of a, a buyer's market when it comes to the um, you know, to, to staff in trying to, I suppose, meet their expectations. I mean, a lot of, you know, the receptionists obviously have families and other commitments, et cetera. Um, and it is something which we're having to increasingly manage as an expectation. So I think that, you know, if somebody's able to, you know, work, but maybe not the whole role, you know, can the role be split between two people? you know, versus a full-time position, is it better to have two part-timers? Matt, any sort of experience sharing there? Yeah, well, definitely flexibility is probably at the top of the list when someone's looking for a new job. We we as try to, you know, I suppose, support that as much as we can. We do have fixed trading hours and we have doctors working in certain sessions and stuff like that. But our clinics do, most of, most of our clinics often trade for, I think they would trade for around about um, 45 hours a week. So a full-time staff member isn't going to be able to cover the entire opening hours. So what it means is we can have staff that start early and staff that start late, or we can offer a staff member a, a four-day full-time week where they work around about you know nine hours a day for four days. That's definitely something that's become a lot more attractive within our business because you know most you know if, when you look at a standard 38 hour a week, you know, you're you're looking at 7.6 hours a day. Many staff would prefer to work a longer day and have a long weekend every weekend. So that's also a, a highly attractive structure which you can put into place. Excellent. But flexibility um, is the thing is the big thing people want, unfortunately. Yeah. So I think it's just more as, as a business owner or a practice manager that's going through that process. Um, just just bear that in mind. There's no point in losing good people um, if you can obviously get the work around. Um, the next one is really is onboarding. And what we mean by that is, you know, we've just employed somebody, you know, they may have experience in doing the job, but like anything, you know, your practice is going to be slightly unique in the sense of, you know, the people that work there, there might be certain workflows, et cetera. And we're going to, in the next podcast, talk about workflows in a little bit more detail. But we're just conscious that don't sort of get somebody and then just plonk them on the front desk and, you know, start dealing with phone calls the first minute they walk through the door. Um, you know, we would encourage you to have a structured onboarding process and it doesn't have to be elaborate. Firstly is make sure they're introduced to everybody, you know, have the opportunity if you've got a lunchroom to maybe sit down and, and be introduced or have a coffee or learn more about each other personally, as well as obviously professionally what they do in their job. The other key thing to look at is, you know, celebrating this person coming on. What I've always found interesting with businesses is people start and we barely make a murmur, 
But when they leave, we then have a party uh, to celebrate their departure. To be honest, it should be exactly the opposite way. We should be celebrating them coming on board and making a big deal about it. And then, uh, you know, if they then obviously leave in the future, we then don't go on obviously having to see another big party. So I just think that with onboarding, um, it's important. You know, you'll have different billing policies. You'll have, uh, once again, you know, the, the, the different elements of your practice. As much as it's working in a medical centre, you know, every medical centre is different. So I think that making sure that the staff member is, you know, feels integrated, understands what's going on, et cetera, before they're thrust uh, into uh, their particular role is important. Any other experience sharing there, Matt? Yeah, no, I think it's right. I think, you know, the, the onboarding process is critical to the success of any staff member. We use a, a buddy system where every new staff member is buddied up with another person who knows their job and can run them through the process. And we have a lot of online and physical resources that they can use when it comes to, you know, how to do that job. You know, every practice is run differently and have different ways of processing information. So it is important to be, you know, well-structured in that onboarding process. Excellent. Um, the next one that's very important to people is recognition, right? I mean, these people come to work, they obviously do important work to support the practice, to be able to deliver excellence to our patients from a, a patient experience and support our doctors and, and everything else. And, you know, for the most part, we don't say anything, right? I mean, you know, the, the, the challenge really is, is we tend to point out when people get it wrong, but we then don't actually point out when people do great work. Um, and look, the ratio, if you look at, you know, all the science on this, it should be 10 positive comments to one negative one, if you don't want to psychologically damage someone over time. So there's a few things about this. As a, as a business owner and a practice manager, you want to catch people doing good things and highlight it. Now, you know, what's a good thing? I mean, when someone goes beyond the call of duty, you know, let's say someone's called in sick and they've come in or stayed back late, whatever, you know, make the point of thanking them for doing that because they don't have to do that. Um, but just basically acknowledging people and it creates, as you can imagine, a much more positive culture inside the practice. Um, you know, medical practices for, the, for, for many people are not a great place to work, you know, and culturally are not absolutely ideal. But it is very important that we try and do that. But what you need to do as a business also is not just make it the responsibility of the practice owner or manager, but the responsibility of everybody, right? I mean, you know, if you're a clinician who's running your business, you know, when you have your doctor meetings, you know, bring this up with them. You know, if a staff member does do something that's, you know, valuable, important or recognised, then please say something. Yeah, the, because the little, bit, the little it, things make a huge difference, Paul, you're right. Yeah, and look, you know, and it's a few kind words, but, you know, we've all had, you know, things said to us which are negative and we take it away and we chew on it and can't sleep at night, you know. Conversely, obviously, the positive message also makes me feel good. So it's just one of those things. It doesn't cost you anything financially. It's good practice anyway. It builds a great culture in your business. And as I said, recognising people is very important. Um, the other thing that we do, just as far as some things that we do within our business, um, we recognise birthdays and anniversaries. I mean, I handwrite birthday cards. We celebrate with birthday cakes. You know, we make a big deal. 
because birthdays are important to people uh, for sure. So, I, I, you know, if you're not already doing it, most practices are, but, you know, make sure you do know everyone's birthday and, and uh, make a point of it. Um, and the other one is work anniversaries. So, you know, acknowledging someone's service to the patients and to the practice, you know, separate from their birthdays gives you two opportunities to acknowledge them um, as people, you know, outside of just being an, an employee as such. Um, the final one we've got is we, we've got this award system called Bravo. And basically what it is, it's around recognizing it when people did do something extraordinary. I mean, there's the little things that people do that you should say, thank you very much. And I really appreciate that. But if somebody was to do something that's uh, extraordinary, and we tie this back to our core values. So if they did something, you know, one of, one of our core values is, you know, excellence in the patient experience. So if one of our staff members did something that was exceptional in that situation, we actually print a certificate and give them a, you know, a $50 gift voucher as recognition for it. And there's a couple of things, the reason we do that. One is making the time and effort that this person has done something that's pretty special. Um, you know, I mean, a $50 gift card's not going to kill a business, but obviously means something to the staff member. But it's it's also public recognition because, so, you know, the comments that are going to get passed between a practice manager or a doctor to a staff member saying thank you or I appreciate that is very important, but also to acknowledge staff members that have sort of gone beyond the call of duty is also something that's, that's important uh, for us to do. Now, the key thing with human psychology is that some people like public recognition and some don't. And obviously, as you get to know your staff members a little better, but, you know, we, we do it as a, as a point of process. So whether it's the staff meetings or otherwise, is to acknowledge, obviously, people that have done something um, that, you know, we would consider, you know, special. Matt, any other comments on the recognition no, no. No, and I think it's, as I said, it is the little things. It is acknowledging people when they do great and acknowledging them in front of other people makes a huge difference as well. I think it, it is those little things that make a huge difference to people feeling like they're valued. Um, get listening to people, you know, I always, when I phone a clinic or I need to talk to, say, a practice manager, I never phone their mobile. I always phone the clinic. I always say hello to the receptionist and ask how they're going and introduce myself. You know, with the size of our organization, I don't get to meet a lot of our frontline staff. So I always take that opportunity to use the the call to a clinic to have a bit of a chat and see how they're going. So, and, and I think that sort of then feeds into the next piece, which is talking about giving staff a voice. And to be honest, you know, you could argue, you know, doctors as well. As I said before, all these things are equally applied to doctors as much as they are to, to staff, uh, you know, within our business. And I think the, the key thing here is that a lot of the challenges that you have as a business, the people that work for you probably have the solutions to them, or at least can help you move towards a solution to the problem that you have. But if you're not having a conversation with them, then you're never going to be able to find this out. Also is that some of the underlying challenges, uh, and particularly for doctors that own their own practices that are obviously that primarily seeing patients, you don't really know what's going on at the front desk or anywhere else in the building at times as well. So it is very important to, you know, sit down and talk to people. So number one thing is, you know, is the opportunity to have meetings, you know, with the, whether it's just with the doctors or it's with the doctors and staff or it's just the staff only. 
to be able to talk about the, the practice and, and how we can improve as a team, what systems or processes should we be looking at, you know, uh, you know, we, before, as we, we spoke um, at the last podcast about pricing and changing consumables, this would be a great opportunity to have those discussions, but try and create a structure, whether it's on a monthly basis, to um, be in a position that you, um, you know, have these conversations and give people the opportunity to talk. One is for you as the business and, the, and the, as the practice manager to share what's going on or, you know, what the challenges are but also let the staff also bring up things they want to discuss as well and make sure it's a safe environment. You know, we don't want people to bring things up and then be shot down within two minutes. Uh, obviously, it doesn't give them the confidence to do it otherwise. And if we're focused on, call it, you know, whether it is the system or the process, not the person, right? No one wants to be attacked personally. But if we sat there and said, you know, this area here, could we make it more efficient? You know, what could we do? and let them come up with solutions. So Matt, any other experience sharing relating to, you know, staff meetings in that situation? Yeah, definitely the trick is, is to, is to look for feedback from your own staff. There is definitely a skill in telling them, no, your idea is not a great idea. We're not going to do it. Um, you need to be very careful. If you want people to continue to provide input and ideas and support, you have to find a way of gently saying no to the bad ideas. Um, and every idea is a great idea, in my opinion, but unfortunately, some you just got to be a bit delicate about how you say no. If you say no the wrong way, you are going to not have any more feedback from those staff. Yeah. So I think as a business, and, and look, and, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about sharing data. Um, you know, I think as a business, initially, we were fearful to share, you know, the performance of the business, right? The, the certain key metrics that are important. Um, but we found that, you know, when we started to share the information with our staff, and whether it's at the staff meeting or otherwise, um, it made them, uh, you know, aware and observant. I mean, most people that are working inside your business want your business to be successful. I mean, I understand the basics of, you need to generate $1 more than it costs to run the business. Otherwise, we're going backwards. So in our business, we created dashboards. Uh, the first ones were basically traffic lights just to show number of new patients, you know, the service fee per hour, um, you know, key metrics, you know, not necessarily here's the, the profit and loss statement of the business, but it might be once again, you know, wages to revenue or, or certain other key numbers which as we talked in the previous podcast, it's very important to, as a business owner, to be able to track this information and identify, I suppose, the numbers that aren't where you need them to be and then being able to sit down with the staff and saying, how do we, you know, how do we improve this number and can we get help from that? So, um, you know, sharing information to help others come up with solutions with you is important. The other part of giving staff a voice is around performance reviews. Now, you know, of itself, the word performance review is probably not the most attractive one, you know, in terms of, you know, we're sitting down and critiquing your performance. The best way to run these sorts of things is, is a methodology called 360. So 360 is really talking about, you know, how are they going? So basically, you know, what do you do well? What could they improve on? In the way that we do it, we get the staff to identify what they think they do well and what they think they could improve on. We also actually ask them what their future 
career plans are so we can see if anybody wants to perhaps progress through the, through the practice. But then the manager, typically the practice manager, is then also doing the same thing because they've probably got more visibility um, around the staff as to what they do well and what they could improve on. And then we sit down and have a conversation, right? And I think the key thing is that, that you know, what they do well is an opportunity to positively reinforce what they do well, which obviously people like to hear. People like to hear what they do well. But at the same time, if, you're, if they're identifying areas where they could improve and generally pull it, the, the manager probably agrees with them or may also have other areas, we can then have a conversation around how we can try and address this so we can move forward. Um, now, performance reviews realistically should be held twice a year. Um, it should be a set time. You know, it's the practice manager and the staff are taken off the front desk or, or they're nursing to be able to sit down for, a, you know, probably at least half an hour, depending on the particular person in question, and just let the conversation happen, right? The key thing for that is definitely is for the practice manager to document what the outcomes are, because what we're also trying to learn is what is not working within this practice that we can fix. And of course, if we have multiple staff bring up the same thing, then that probably is something that we need to be focusing on and then potentially could take to a future staff meeting to have a discussion around how we could address it. Um, so Matt, anything else on performance reviews? No, I, I think you covered performance reviews well. I, I wish we could come up with a word other than performance and call them something else reviews. Um, but yeah, the, it is a word that makes everyone cringe and think that they're just going to be assessed and, you know, stilled over. Um, yeah, it is a challenging area. And and, and with the 360, the, and, you know, the, there's the performance review of itself. But 360 is that we also get the staff then to critique us. Right. I mean, how are we going as business operators? What could we be doing better as a business? Um, and, you know, you can also incorporate that question into it. I mean, one is how are they, you know, how are they going and how could they improve? The other thing is, of course, is how are we going and how can we improve as a practice? Now, whether that's how we manage it, you know, once again, from the owner and practice manager perspective, um, through to obviously, you know, what we could do as a business. So one is how I can improve as a you know, a team member of you know of this of, of the of the practice. The other one is what could we do as a business to be able to make the workplace more enjoyable, more efficient, or the like. Mm. Um, and just finally, you know, we all are conscious of the fact that you know everyone wants to get paid well, if not more. You know, that's obviously one of the big challenges we've all faced is you know cost living increases. People want to get paid more, etc. Um, I mean, we as a business have a policy of paying 10% above the award. Um, reason being is we don't want to lose a good person because they're going to get paid 50 cents an hour uh, up the road. And it's just one of those these uh, things that we've traditionally done ever since we started the business. One of the things is knowing that, you know, general practice is already under pressure and obviously increase your wage bill by 10%, well, unless you put up your prices by at least 10%, uh, well, actually even more, because of course you're giving your doctors a percentage of that revenue. Um, uh, you know, you're going to be going backwards. The, the other thing you can do is create bonus structures. So as I shared with you before, if we sat there and said, here's a particular number that's not good or we need to improve, you know, whether that's uh, wages, consumables, anything else that we could do, or it could be implementing, successfully implementing a new billing policy or shifting from bulk billing to private billing. 
there's the, or, or mixed billing, you know, there's different things you might want to do. You could attach a bonus to it. So hi team, if we can successfully implement mixed billing and we can grow our revenue by, you know, $10,000, we're happy to pay everybody a bonus of X, you know, $100, $200, whatever it happens to be. Um, ideally with bonus structures, it's best to do them as one-off payments to, to, for achieving a goal versus having something that's sort of continuously in place. Because really what you want it to do is to use it as an opportunity for everybody to focus on one particular thing and get to an outcome and then have a, you know, a reward and a celebration. The key thing with bonus is, you know, the, the money is not necessarily the main driver. It's also the celebration of success. So if you were to achieve the objective and, you know, that people would qualify for the uh, bonus as such, then I would, you know, once again, you know, order in food and make a big deal about the fact the team achieved the goal that they, um, they would sort out to do so. Matt, anything else on bonus or additional ways yeah. of motivating staff? Yeah, the, the big challenge with bonuses is the staff expectation that it then becomes part of their, their salary. And then when things, you know, the business may not perform at the level that you wanted it to perform and they don't get the bonus, you then have to deal with that, that situation. You know, bonuses really should be for above what would be good considered normal expectations for the business to run at. You know, a, a person's salary is in return for running the business at the level that you want it to be run at. If the business is more successful than what you expected, it's very appropriate then to share part of that, that extra income back with your staff. Um, I would just be cautious about staff expectations around their, their bonus being part of their, their wage, I think. Yeah, excellent. All right, look, we, we understand this is a, a very important core challenge. Uh, as we shared at the beginning, Whilst we've sort of been talking about staff, there is no reason that any of those um, points around, once again, you know, recruiting doctors, obviously onboarding them, celebrating their joining a practice, recognising them for great work and their birthdays and anniversaries, uh, having them participate in team meetings. You know, from the performance review, I mean, they're not employees, but obviously sitting down with a doctor and giving them feedback as to how they're going. Once again, what you're doing well, what areas could we improve on, uh, particularly as the doctor owner, uh, to clinician to clinician is definitely a worthwhile activity because once again, you may find there are things that the doctor has picked up which could help your practice. Particularly what we find is when we bring new people into the business, we're very keen for them to observe and tell us about what it is we could improve because they've come from other practices and, and seen other structures or systems or ways of doing things that we could learn and obviously um, continue to develop. And once again, sharing data so that, you know, people do understand that, you know, we are trying to run a business, but if we can shift these needles, particularly um, uh, with growing revenue, it's obviously a benefit to the doctor as well as to the practice. So uh, once again, if we're here to help, if there's anything you uh, um, we could help in any way, please reach out uh, through HealthCert. Um, and as in the uh, later this year, we're going to be releasing a, a certificate course in uh, medical business management, which will be delving a lot more deeper into this with templates, et cetera, in, uh, because we do understand we are in the human resource business. We are people serving people, and we've got to get the people bit right to make sure that our patients have a great experience in our practice. So, Matt, thanks very much for your time today. And uh, we'll look forward to uh, continuing this in the third topic, which is 
patience, how to keep up with demand, changing perceptions and preferences. So thank you for your time, everybody, listening to this podcast, and we look forward to speaking to you soon. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. If you like the podcast, please subscribe so you can get updates whenever we post more. And please share it with others. And for more info, please go to healthcert.com.